into Nehemiah this week. We're going to finish it. But just to recap kind of where we've gone. Um, at the beginning of Nehemiah 1, when we were, when we started in Nehemiah 1, we were talking about how the people had their walls broken down for 120 years. 120 years they lived with their walls down. And we talked about how shame, how much shame and how much guilt they lived in and they walked in on a regular basis. It was their walking away from God and their sin that caused the walls, that caused the enemy to get in and tear down their walls. And consequently for 120 years, instead of rebuilding it, they walked over the walls like we do. And we, we discussed that about how in our, in our lives we'll, we'll allow God into the areas of the places where people have hurt us, where they have hurt us, and we'll allow them in and say, yes, God, you can come and you can fix that part of my heart. But if it's parts of our heart where walls have fallen down because of our own sin, we often look at that and say, it's okay, God, I deserve for that part to be broken in me because that was on me, that was my sin, I did those things, so that's okay leave it alone. And that's not who God is. He wants to come in and restore every piece of our heart. So that was Nehemiah 1. And then Nehemiah gets a burden from the Lord, which is the heart of God. It is, the, it is God's heart towards you. God, if, if he sees brokenness, you better know that he's coming for you. And so Nehemiah has this burden from God and he begins to pray and he begins to, to cry out to God for the people and then he goes to the king and when he's at the king the king gives him favor to go rebuild the wall God gives him favor the community comes together they begin to work together and they begin and they build a wall in 52 days 120 years broken down 52 days they rebuilt a, ball, a wall a ball well, that as well they rebuild this wall and so here we are in Nehemiah 8 the wall has just been rebuilt And so we go from a wall being rebuilt to now, Nehemiah 8, it is people being rebuilt. God wants to restore their lives, not just the wall. It was never just about the wall. It was about the people. So Nehemiah 8, verse 1. It says, All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. Note that it says, as one. It could say, all the people came together in the square. But it says, all the people came together as one. Meaning, they were in community. They were all together for one purpose. God loves unity. God loves community. And it says, they told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. They call for Ezra. They're like, bring out the Bible. We want to hear what the word of God says. We want to know what God is saying to us. Now, their Bible wasn't quite like ours, um, as, as vast as ours is, ours is, but this is what they had. So they asked, for, bring out the Bible, bring out the Word of God. We want to hear it. So Ezra begins to read the Bible. So, so on the first day of the seventh month, seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who faced the square. He read it out loud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men stand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. 
Beside him on his right stood a host of people, and on his left stood another host of people. <laughs> Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them, and he opened it, and the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they call for the scriptures to be read. Because the scriptures, because the word of God is what rebuilds us. It's what builds us up. The scripture builds us. And, and we are never to neglect the reading of the word. We should make it be in the word of God. You know, I was always the type of person that would, um, that enjoyed prayer. I, I enjoyed prayer, I enjoyed worship, but scripture was a little bit harder for me. Until I started reading it and getting into it, and then suddenly it came alive. The scripture is the, is the, is the word of God, it is God has breathed on the scripture. He has breathed on the Bible. I'm going to show you a verse in a second. But the Bible, the words of God, is alive. It's alive. I was just talking about this with how it's alive, how, how it ministers to you where you're at. There are many times where I've opened the word of God and I've been in like, you know, whatever chapter, just reading it, and God begins to minister something else to me that I'm not even reading. It'll pull out one time. He's correcting my life or he's showing me which way to go. The scripture is alive. It is breathed on by God. If there is breath on it, there's life. Look at this verse, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 19. Every scripture has been written by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. It will empower you by its instruction. It'll empower you. Like I said, there are many times where I read the scripture and I get, I get instruction. I don't know where to go. It shows me which way to go but sometimes it corrects my life. You need to deal with these kinds of things. Megan, is this where you're at? This needs, we need to deal with this here. It is for instruction and for correction. And then it also says giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. It gives you strength to take the right direction. Meaning if you're going in the direction God has, you need strength. So you need the word of God. It strengthens you. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature, and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. So the word of God, assignment that God has for you. So we make it our practice to, what is God saying? What has God got for me? Now, there are some people that love to dig deep in the word. You, you love to take one word and just dig. That's great, do that. Not everyone's like that though. Some people like to read the scripture and, and read it by story. Do that. Some people, if this is where you're at, this is, this is good too. Google, Google scriptures on peace. Google whatever scripture you need to get through. Hide these words in your heart. The Bible says, hide, I've hidden these words in my heart so that I might not sin again. We get the scripture in us at whatever capacity. You don't need to be a scholar of the word. Just get in the word, get in the word. Take one scripture and, and say, read it for an entire week, for an entire month, if you get it in your heart. Just, it's not, it doesn't have to be hard. It can be easy. And you are individual and you read the way you do. So do it that way. 
but get it in your heart. Get it in your heart so that you won't sin against God, so that it leads you in the right direction. It is for correction, it is for instruction, instruction it is for us to fulfill the purpose that God has. It's for building us up. So they call for the word of God. And it says the Levites, who are a whole bunch of people, instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. Verse eight, they read from the book of the law, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. So what had happened was this was a group of people that really hadn't heard the word. We're talking years, they hadn't really heard the word. And so some of them didn't even speak the language anymore. So the Levites had to go throughout, while Ezra's reading the word, they were going throughout the crowd saying, this is what he's saying, this is what it means, so that they could understand the words that were being spoken. So verse 9, the Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weak to the words of the law. This day is holy. Do not mourn or weep because they had been weeping, because the people had been crying. Now when the word of God goes forth, whether it is in your own time and you're reading or whether you're in a service or whether you're listening to it on a podcast, when the word goes forth, when God's word goes forth, it is always bringing healing. The Bible says in Psalms that uh, he sent his word and healed me and delivered me from destruction. He sends his word for healing. So what's happening in the middle of this is the people are hearing the word of God and healing begins to go forth. And they begin weeping. Then Nehemiah 10 says this, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those who have nothing prepared. This is like God, right? Once you, if you have something, give something, give it to others. If, if God has changed your life, if he's helped you, share it with others. God's blessing is never just for us. It's always to be shared. So he says, if you have extra, great, go give it to those who don't. If God's changed your life, great, go change someone else's, go share what God has done. So he says, go give, give some to others who have nothing prepared. Then it says, this day, is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I want you to go have a party. I want you to go enjoy community. I want you to go enjoy people. Eat, drink, be merry, for this day is holy. And I thought of this and I thought, how funny. Go have a good time, because I'm holy. And how often do we think of holiness as seriousness? God is holy, brother. Yes. You know, we could be laughing and having a good time. You know God is holy. You're right, he is holy. Mm -hmm. Right? We do this, though. And we, and we equate holiness with boring. And so when the, for I am holy, we're like, ooh, I'm not quite ready for the boring life. I'll get there soon, God. I'll soon I'll be boring. Just do a work in me so I'm more boring. I know. I'm not holy yet. Just kidding. <laughs> so he's saying, have a good time 
The joy of the Lord is your strength, for I'm holy. Let's think on that. Let's say la. So it says, this day is holy to our God. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That word strength means refuge, stronghold, a place where you can run. It says, we need, we need to rejoice. The word of God is going forth, but we need to rejoice because this is holy and we need strength. In Psalm 1611, it says, you show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures for more. Pleasures forevermore. So you sing. Guys, we need to get into the presence of God. We need to go to the presence of God because that is where the fullness of joy is. David said it like this. He said, cast me not away from your presence, God and restore to me the fullness of my salvation, the joy of my salvation. He says, I need your presence because I need joy. I need to get into your presence because I need joy. I'm building something. You're like, okay, well, she's connect these dots here. The holiness of God is joy. The holiness of God is peace. The holiness of God is love. So yes, there are times where we just stand and we feel, we feel the presence of God move in and we're just like, wow. But holiness also looks like joy. Holiness also looks like a good time. Holiness also looks like laughing and spending time in community. This is what it says. Guys, no more mourning. For this day's holy. You need this strength. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy. God is joy. God is fun. God is happy all the time. All the time, God is happy. <laughs> he, he's a good time. And we view him as this like, all, he is holy, yes. Jesus is probably a good time, but God is holy. What you believe about God, this is a quote from somebody, I just am thinking about this right now. What you believe about things about you. It's one of the most important things about you. If you believe that God is angry all the time, you will have little joy and little strength. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. If you believe that in his presence is full of anger, crankiness, seriousness. How do you receive that joy? Holiness is joyfulness. Doesn't that set you free? Holiness 
is joyfulness. Holiness is me having a good time in community. Holiness is just enjoying the presence of God and getting filled with His strength. Rejoice. Okay. Let's go to verse 11. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Do not grieve. Be still. This is a holy day. Do not grieve. That word grieve means hurt, pain, feel pain, suffering in your thoughts. Wait a sec. Guys, I don't want you to feel pain. This day is holy. Guys, I don't want you suffering in your thoughts. That leads me to believe something. That the Israelites went from hearing the word of God, the word is being ministered, and they begin to hear the word of God, and, and it begins to do something in their hearts. And healing goes forth, but all of a sudden, there must be some sort of a switch if they're having torment in their thoughts that went from the conviction to change their lives to bring in condemnation. And when the Word of God goes forth, it is always to bring conviction. It is always to rebuild your life. Conviction is like, hey, it's like pushing buttons in your heart. Like, hey, we need to move towards this. Hey, we need to change this area. Hey, this isn't producing any fruit in your life. That is the conviction of God where you feel a tug on your heart. But when there is condemnation, and condemnation looks like this, how dare you have messed up? Who do you think you are? How horrible are you that you've done such terrible things? And it moves you from a place of repentance to grief, to torment in your thoughts. But the Israelites were used to this. They were used to this. In, in Nehemiah 1, we saw that they lived in shame and guilt. They lived in shame and guilt. We did this, these walls fell down. This is who we are. It's okay, God, don't rebuild it, it's fine. That was on us. And God comes in and he, he builds it and now they're standing there and they hear the word of God and all of a sudden the, the word of God moves in and they feel condemned. That's never the purpose of the Word of God. That's never who He is. Look at this. Verse 18 of, uh, sorry, 1 John 3.20. My dear children, let's not talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we know we're living truly, living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there's something to it. Even when there's something to it. He says, let's live, let's live in the realm of love where you know that God loves you and you're loving others and you are safe and, and you are complete in the fact that God just loves you so much. 
when you have that realization that God loves you, then it shuts down that critical spirit going on inside of you that is debilitating. It stops you. It stops you. And many of us do this, right? We mess up this self-criticism, like who was I? Who did I think I was? I can't believe I did that. I messed up again, God. Oh, God. You're a terrible better. This is who you are. How many times have you tried this now? And we get into this self stops us. It stops us in our tracks. And it says, even, even if there's something to it. Let's go on and look at the rest. It says, for God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. For God is greater than your worried heart. For God is greater than your worried heart. He knows more about you. So you're like, I can't believe I did this now. I'm greater than that. I'm bigger than that. My love covers that. I know more about you than you know about yourself. And then it says, and friends, once that's taken care of and we're no longer accusing or condemning ourselves for God, we're able to stretch out our hands and receive what we ask for because we're doing so. Once we live in the realm of the love of the Father, once we live in this realm and we understand who God is, that His holiness is love, that His joy is, is holiness, that, sorry, that His holiness is, yes, love, His holiness is joy, His holiness is peace. It's who He is. That we, when we understand this realm, that we can put aside the accusing, accusing ourselves, the criticizing ourselves, even if there's something to it. Did you see that? Even if there's truth to it. Even if you did mess up and it's all on you. It says you don't need to criticize yourself. I'm bigger. I'm bigger than that. So he says once we put away with that, we can walk into his presence boldly with our arms stretched out. It's not that God moved away from you. It's, it's not that he separated himself because of sin or because you're, in a criti you're criticizing yourself. It's that you stop yourself from going into his presence. I can't, God, I can't. I can't go there. And even at best, you may come like this, like. But you, you don't, you don't want to go. You begin to grieve. You begin to be tormented in your thoughts. Criticism, accusing, torments you. It torments you. God says, I want you to have a revelation of how big my love is so that you can walk bold and free so that you understand that even if you've messed up, even if the things that you've done are terrible, even if there's something to it, you can walk bold and free into my presence. He 
things, but the, the accusing and the criticizing of yourself is what holds you. It's what you, you keep yourself back from it. Ah, oh, I'm a terrible person. God says, come. I'm bad it was this time, God. No, come, let me heal you. God sends his word. He sends his word to heal. He sends his word to convict. But conviction is not a bad thing. It is just poking at the places of your heart that he wants to rebuild, that he wants to restore. So I think that the Israelites were in this place where the word of God went from being convicting, where they're like, wow, God's word to suddenly, oh my gosh, he's up here, I'm down here. And they begin grieving. And he says, stop, stop the pain, stop grieving. This stays holy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. There are some things that we need to deal with in your life, yes, but you're going to need strength to get through it. The rebuilding of the walls in your life is gonna take strength. So in my holiness, I'm showing up for you to have joy so that the, to rebuild, you will have strength for it. Now look at this. I am all over my notes here, so I have to. Verse 12. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and celebrate with great joy. Suddenly, they went from grieving to celebrating with great joy. Why? Because they now understand the words that had been made known to them. Because they now understand the goodness of God. Because they now understand. When we understand When we understand when God begins to deal with our hearts, why he's dealing with our hearts. When we understand that God, when he begins to push on places of our heart, when we understand that it's not to condemn us, when, it, when it's not to tear disappointed and disgusted, when we understand that he has come to deal with our hearts, to illuminate things in our hearts, when he's come to do that because he has purpose for us, because he wants restoration for us. When we, we begin rejoicing, there are many times where God has begun to push on different parts of my heart and it's like, oh, yeah, I do feel the oh part of it. But I'm excited to go on the journey with it because I understand why he's doing what he's doing. I got a new level for you to come up. I got a new place for you to go, come on. That there is joy in the dealing with the things of our heart. There can be joy in it. It's not a, God moved in and he's holy. Oh, God's holy. It's God moved in and he's holy. Yes, I will rejoice. I will rejoice in the Lord always. So they go and they have this great party. And they do this for quite a few days. 
And then in verse 17, it says, and then the whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated like this. God had restored <laughs> things that were lost. These people had lived in shame and in guilt, and God brought joy for their strength. I know, it's so good, it gets better. And their joy was very great. And their joy was very great. And I just, I believe this this morning, that there are many of you who have laughed that life has been hard and you thought this was your lot in life. God says, I am bringing you joy and great will be your joy. Listen to me, great will be your joy. The storms of life, the things that have tried to knock you down, the shame and the guilt that you have lived in is broken from today on and great will be your joy. Great will be your joy. <clears throat> so then, they have this time, the joy of the Lord is their strength. They are getting built up. For what's to come, Nehemiah 9, they go in and they begin to repent for their sins. That God brought joy before the repentance. God brought joy before the repentance, joy before they began to confess the things in their life, before they began to deal with the things in their heart. God brought joy for strength, for refuge, for safety. No, you don't need to feel bad. Come, 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 rest in my joy. There's safety here. This is a place where you can catch your breath. Come. So they begin to deal with the things of their heart. It says they stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter in confession and worshiping the Lord their God. They just began to, to, to confess everything and worship and move on from there. But they needed strength for it. wants you to have a good life. He wants you to be joyful. It doesn't have to be so serious. There will be hard times, for sure. There will be hard times, but he wants you to have joy in the middle of those hard times. It doesn't mean that you're not, that, that there are times where you don't go where things feel heavy. I, I mean, I even had a week like that where just, it was heavy. There were things I had to fight for, but I always know that I can run to the presence of God. It is my safety. It is the place where I get refilled. It is the place where I get refueled. I, I need to, I just need to get away. That in the, even in the middle of hard things, I can carry joy. Joy and happiness is never to be confused with external things. A car, a brand new car, a brand new house, Brand new clothes, brand new boyfriend, brand new girlfriend, brand new wife. Just kidding. <laughs> Joking. 
isn't, isn't happiness. And so never confuse that if you're going from thing to thing to thing, trying to fill happiness, you need to get to the presence of God. That's where it'll be filled. That's where your joy will be filled. Joy, joy, joy. Righteousness, peace, and most. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So Nehemiah 12, 43, look at this. And the praise and worship team can come. I said praise and worship team come. That's what I said. I just heard him say, did she just say praise and worship team come? I love my brother. Nehemiah 12, 43 says, And on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. Rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. The sound of rejoicing could be heard far away. That this is who God is. That the holiness of God is joyfulness. And I believe that there is a place that God is taking us in. Sound of rejoicing will be heard from far away. That we will move from a place with our heads hung down, living in shame, living in guilt, or whatever. Even if there's something to it. Remember that. Even if there's something to it. That joy is your portion. That this will be a place of a people of great joy. And if you are a people of great joy, what does that make you? A people of great strength. A people of great strength. And I declare that over you this morning, a people of great joy. Um, we're going to go into a song where we're just going to stand up and we are going to give God thanks. We are going to exalt him and say, you know what, God, you are worthy of it all. And I'm, I'm trading my sorrow, I'm trading my guilt, I'm trading my shame for joy. I'm recognizing that you are a good God. You are a God whose love never fails, whose joy is for me. And the sound of rejoicing will be heard from far away. Thank you, Lord. You go ahead.